Oli Oli Oxen Free. What's happening, folks? It's your old chuckle buddy. Yes, who? Jonathan James Ramchurat. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent August 19th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramchuran, the podcast. <coughs> Pardon me, folks. Sorry about that. <clears throat> Just woke up from a nap. Uh, kind of had a little nap. Had a little mid-morning, early afternoon breakfast slash lunch. You know, breakfast slash lunch. Had a little workout. You know, puttered around and, you know, coming straight to you, fresh to your heart. So if you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, this is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, cabelliac, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self, y'all the dear listener, y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. You know, I was a little hesitant there. You know, I don't know quite what I think about burping on mic. You know, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's kind of unsightly, even though you're not seeing it. But it's kind of like, you know, unsightly, unseemling, unseeming, you know, unpleasant. But then again, you know, there's other podcasters that would even go as far as to fart into the microphone. I've heard it a couple times, different podcasters. Are you offended by it? Are you a little disgusted? Perhaps. But, you know, it's all a part of the game, folks. I also talk about current events, um, entertainment, the times of our time. And if you are new to the show, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. 19 years of service, diploma in theater arts. Fast being to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) I've been thinking lately, aesthetic, aesthetic, aesthetic is very important in any industry. Uh, Just what pops into mind at the moment, cars, transportation, you know, there ain't no fucking reason why a car needs to be beautiful. You know, you ever see a, you know, a beautiful Chevrolet or like, you know, Ford or, a, you know, Mitsubishi, you know, whenever you see a beautiful car, there ain't no fucking reason for it, you know, a car is to get you from point A to point B. What fucking difference does it make what it looks like? Aesthetic. Aesthetic, you know, and that's a very important across industry. Like sometimes you'll be looking at a butterfly, like why is this thing so fucking beautiful? What fucking difference could it possibly make? Butterflies, monarch butterflies, beautiful, multicolored, vibrant patterns when they flap their little flitting wings and they float about. What fucking difference does it make? Aesthetic. It's very important across any facet of life. It gives meaning. Why even comb your fucking hair in the morning? Why change your shirt? What difference does it make if it doesn't make a difference? Because it does. It does make a difference. Aesthetic. <laughs> and that's something to factor, factor into any career. Like, um, for example, um, I was walking down the street the other day. Mask on, of course. Walking down the street with my mask on. And um, I saw a little, uh, 
smart car. And it had all these decals on it, you know, to advertise a business. And uh, the caption said, yellow teeth? <laughs> yellow teeth? Question mark. You know, just pose, posing, posing that question to the public. Yellow teeth? I saw that. I was like, yellow teeth? Now that you mention it, my teeth do have jaundice. You know, my teeth are falling out of my skull. I'm a meth head. Yellow teeth? And, uh, you know, it was an advertisement for like a dental clinic. You know, it's like an advertisement for, you know, teeth whitening various services. And, you know, I brush my teeth regularly. Now I don't brush them at night all the time. Sometimes you fall asleep face down listening to YouTube, you know. Sometimes I'll fall asleep and then I'll just like wake up out of a stupor, <laughs> you know. The fucking YouTube's still going, right? Hey there, mate. You want to learn how to make $10 million in 10 minutes? I used to be a loser just like you. Just until I decided I want to be my own boss. This is what I did, you know. I concocted a Ponzi scheme to cheat all my friends and family out of money, and I'm the fucking boss. You know, learn from me on YouTube. I'm like, Bleh. wake out of a fucking stupor. Sometimes YouTube's still playing, you know. So sometimes I'm busy, you know. I'm dreaming about how to, like, rob, steal, and cheat my way into millions of dollars, you know. Some YouTube scam. So, like, I don't always have time to brush my teeth at night. But I, I brush them regularly, you know, floss, you know, dental floss, very important. Listerine, you know, um, non-alcoholic Listerine, I mouthwash, mouth rinse, the whole kit and caboodle. But, you know, got me thinking, you know, yellow teeth. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Uh, not so much for teeth whitening, but, um, you know, I do have a little bit of a snaggle tooth. You know, I got that fucking Ricky Jarvis smile. That fucking Steve Buscemi smile. And like, you know, the great thing about them is like, they're so talented at what they do. It, it's a part of their character. It's a part of their persona. And, you know, I think the honesty and, and the talent in their work kind of shines through, you know. But I got that fucking Buscemi fucking mug. Those fucking... Gervais chompers. Ah, fucking snaggletooth, right? And it got me thinking, you know, aesthetic. Because I am an actor. And sometimes as an actor, you're, you're judged on um, very fickle, pointless, meaningless um, criteria a lot of times. Oh, his teeth aren't straight. What fucking difference does it make? Is, are people's teeth straight in everyday life? But, you know, it's the aesthetic. It's what's pleasing. And I don't know if straight teeth are pleasing. I don't know if this is unpleasant. That fucking snaggletooth, you know. But you're talking to a snaggletooth tiger, folks. <coughs> snaggletooth tiger. Because it's like I could give a boom clot blood clot less. You know, I, I ain't got that vanity that way, you know. I don't got that vanity that way. I'm, you know. You know, there's nothing worse than a person who's like, semi good looking like I consider myself like fairly good looking I'm handsome what does that mean handsome's a dime a dozen you know pretty is a dime a dozen you know if you're a fairly decent looking person and you keep yourself in shape and you wear decent clothing you can be handsome you can be attractive
You know, I'm like, you know, you know, I'm, a, I'm attractive enough to get a girlfriend or a wife. I know that. What more do I need? You know, but then it's funny when you see people that are like marginally good looking and then they try to push the envelope, you know, they, you know, they, they get their teeth straightened and whitened. And, they, you know, every time they get their picture taken, they're always mugging for the camera. Mugging for the camera, cheesing for the camera. Knock it off. You don't see Brad Pitt doing that shit. Idris Albus doesn't do that shit. You know? Idris Albus, Idris Elba, fucking Brad Pitt, Mark Ruffalo, they're not doing that shit. They're not cheesing it. If if you're fucking good looking enough, people will notice. You know? It's like dropping a ten dollar bill. When you drop a ten dollar bill on the on the sidewalk, you drop a ten dollar bill on the sidewalk, you walk by it. You don't have to point it out. It's like, oh, there's a $10 bill. People notice it. So if you are one of the blessed, beautiful people in the world, you know, the fucking J-Lo's out there, the fucking, you know, I don't know, Jane Fonda's circa 1961. Like, you know, if you're like the fucking Jane Fonda's, the Marlon Brandow's out there, the fucking, you know, Denzel Washington's, you don't got to be cheesing and mugging and grinning for the camera. It's noticeable, Right. So like myself, yeah, I'm a handsome guy, but I mean, that's where the buck stops. I ain't breaking hearts, you know, I'm not fucking, you know, setting the world on fire. Like, I'm, I'm a decently handsome person. Let's leave it at that. It's a dime a dozen, you know, but you see some people cheesing and mugging, you know, the aesthetic. People very obs- obsessed with that, you know what I mean? And I don't know, it's sort of a vanity is my point, you know, it's like, I mean... Yeah, a little extra self-care, like, you know, a little dental work couldn't hurt, but it's also a little vain. But that's what I mean about the value of aesthetic in business, because it's like, okay, well, you know, I do, I got a little bit of a snaggle tooth going. So why not consider, like I've been considering, maybe I should get like some, um, you know, Invisalign or Smile Direct Club, you know, like um, straighten this bad boy out, you know, straighten that fucking snaggle tooth out, you know, and, um, you know, it could help my brand, you know, it's about, you know, the little things in a business that you can take care of, you know what I mean? It's like those little things that can go a long way. I know that I'm in an industry that can be very fickle, unfair, unflattering, pointless, hypocritical, arbitrary, downright retarded at times. But I can also understand, you know, from a business angle, okay, a little bit of aesthetic can go a long way. You know, maybe some casting director, maybe some producer may see me and go, you know, yeah, fairly good-looking guy, talented, but what's with that fucking snaggletooth? And, you know, I'm not overly vain or concerned about it, so, you know, I wouldn't call it a negative, but it's definitely not an asset. I don't see it as an asset. Is it? I don't know. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Y'all love my snaggletooth or what? Schnaggletooth Tiger. 
But, um, you know, that little, that little advertisement, that decal that I saw on that, that I saw on that car, yellow teeth, <laughs> got me thinking, okay, well, why not play the game a little bit, right? It's a game. All the world's a stage. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. Coincidentally, I am also an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Three plus years of continuous consecutive sobriety. And um, kind of to my point there, um, with the aesthetic of, um, you know, my teeth game, trying to get my teeth game on point, um, in regards to some of the aesthetic of an industry, um, as an alcoholic, I came to a point where, and if you're out there suffering, folks, I highly suggest trying what I did. Um, right now, during pandemic um, meetings, live meetings for 12-step programs, they're on hiatus till further notice, but there are a lot of Zoom, Z-O-O-M, Zoom, online meetings you can attend. 12-step programs and what they are is it's a place where people meet up and it's non-denominational nobody's interested in your political beliefs your spiritual beliefs um you don't have to believe in god um it's a 12-step method of recovery that's basically like um run on accountability self-accountability and you learn these various steps you take it day by day you come out of your isolation um, post-pandemic. You come out of your isolation because, you know, addiction can be very isolating, antisocial, self-centered behavior. And it allows you to reintegrate into society in a meaningful way and to reinvest in yourself in a meaningful way. Probably for like the first time, if you're like myself, probably for the first time in a long time, you know? Part of an alcoholic lifestyle is the gradual degradation, you know? One day you're here as, um, you know, a married man, a married woman, a career person, and life's beautiful, and then your drinking slowly degrades you, you know? You slowly go down, and, um, you know, it's a blessing, recovery, and there's... There's a lot of joy and um, hope in it. So if you're out there during pandemic, I definitely suggest give it a try. What a better, what a better, what better time, you know, in all this uncertainty, you can gain some self-accountability and um, it's perfect timing. I highly recommend it. And uh, in regards to um, what I've been realizing lately, in relation to my alcoholism, uh, on the mend, three plus years of recovery, um, I've also been, you know, physically on the mend as well. I've, I've been working out in that time, uh, ups and downs. Uh, I've come to realize I've started to get to the place with food that I've gotten to with alcohol, where it's like, yo, I'm just done. Like... You know, I came to a place with my drinking where it's like I'm drunk around the clock 
I'm always drunk. I feel like shit. It's ruining my life. I'm just done. I am done. The party's over. That's what's so inspiring, too, about anybody out there who might be considering recovery. It's like, if you are truly an alcoholic and you've crossed that line, you soon, at least if you're like me, you soon come to a place where it's like, the party's over. You're miserable. So it's like, that's where I was. I'm like, yo, I'm miserable. I'm sick of this alcohol day in, day out, getting drunk shit. Like, it's it's miserable. And my life changed for the better when I got sober. So I'm kind of at that point right now with food as well. Like, unhealthy food, sugar, candy, you know, saturated fats, like... Um, you know, potato chips, I guess potato chips claim to be zero trans fats. But you know, like potato chips, sugar, refined sugars, um, high starch, high calorie carbohydrates, you know. I'm just sick of that shitty food. I'm at that point where I'm like, I'm miserable with it. It doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? Like, because as an alcoholic, um, a recovering alcoholic, um, one of our, and specifically mine, one of my little, well, this is kind of common amongst alcoholics, but I'm talking about me. One of my little guilty pleasures is, you know, I work hard all week, I work out, I'm doing my thing. Come the weekend, maybe I want to indulge a little bit. Let me get a bag of uh, gummy bears. You know, you're eating a bag of gummy bears. What fucking good does that do? You know, you can't eat just one. You're going to wind up eating the whole bag, and it does nothing. It's like you get your little sugar fix, then you feel like complete shit afterwards. You don't even feel good while you're doing it. You're just shoveling back. (coughs) Shoveling back the fucking gummy bears, the fucking fuzzy peaches, the fucking licorice whips, nibs, you know, eat a whole bag of fucking Doritos, you know, jalapeno, Miss Vicky's chips. Lay's potato chips, what fucking difference does it make? You know, it's all, it it doesn't do anything. You know, it's, it's empty. And that's kind of where my alcoholism led me as well. It's like, that's why I don't miss it. It's like, I crossed an invisible line with my drinking where it's like, I was getting drunk in order to quiet my own demons, my own fears, my own aggressions, my own failures, my own lack of accountability in my life. I was drinking to deaden that, to numb that, to nullify it. I was miserable and it became pointless. And that's kind of where I am with, you know, shitty food as well. It's like, you know, eating poorly, it Does it ever feel good? Like, think about it. When you eat poorly, does it ever feel good? You know, we talk about comfort food. You know, the Hare Krishnas. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Hare Hare. The Hare Krishnas, they believed in karma food. You know, food that you eat, you take in. If it's prepared with love, if it's prepared with, you know, humility, love, caring... It fills you spiritually, physically, mentally. 
But when you're eating all this garbage processed food, it's just like negative energy, negative stupidity, in my opinion. So that's that's the kind of that's the place I am right now with food. You know, it's like I'm you know, yeah, it's nice to eat a chocolate bar every now and then, but it's like, where's the line? Where's the line? When I have my cheat days, sometimes I don't even have cheat days. They just blend they bleed over. If you can relate to that, if if you've ever had that I guess sugar fixation, that candy crush. You know, it can just bleed over for days and days. You're eating fucking gummy bears, Reese's peanut butter cups, fucking licorice whips. You're fucking, you know, I used to call it the clown diet. Step right up, folks. I'm on the fucking clown diet. I'm eating fucking gummy bears, licorice whips, Reese's peanut butter cups, fucking, you know, peanuts, popcorn, cracker jacks, chewing gum, fucking salted pretzels. I'm on the fucking clown diet. Like, I'm in complete misery. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that's the point I am right now with food. And I think that's very interesting during pandemic and relatable, especially now that a lot of people are kind of quarantined, holed up, you know, looking for things of comfort. Yeah, we need that comfort, we need that release, but it's also a time of introspection and a time to question our actions. Because much like with my alcoholism, it took me to a place where I had to really hit that bottom and seek a sense of accountability. I'm that way with my food right now too, where it's just like, yo, it's just not working for me anymore to eat garbage food. And like, I'm a healthy eater and I'm in fairly good shape. I exercise quite a bit regularly. Um, You know, I feel good about that, but I'm just, I'm just thinking in terms of quality control all around, I have been kind of slipping with the diet, I've been like, you know, like I said, hitting them gummy bears, hitting them fucking, you know, fuzzy peaches. And they've been doing me no good. And uh, it's time for me to gain some control on that. And if that's relatable to anybody out there, um, you know, definitely food for thought. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, alcoholic extraordinaire. I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire 11 plus years of service now something very interesting in the career of comic which is relatable cross industry during these times is fear fear anger aggression these are the tenements of the dark side fear anger aggression these are tenements of the dark side sip of water folks you know fear anger aggression these are tenements of the dark side you know fucking yoda fear anger aggression you know all this uncertainty breeds fear and one thing i'm noticing is you know you see a lot of comics talking and you know i started to realize there's so much in this industry of performing that is based on fear. I remember when I first started doing stand-up comedy, 
It was all about the kill, you know? Oh, I can't wait to kill. Kill, kill, kill. You want to kill. Yo, how was, how was your stat? Oh, I'm going to kill it. Kill, kill, kill. Oh, that guy kills. She kills. He kills. You know, you want to get on stage and kill. What the fuck does that even mean? You know, it would get in your head where it's like, did I kill? Didn't I kill? What's a kill? How do I kill? You know, do I have it in me to kill? What is killing? You know, it's, um, it's a bit of a boondoggle. Now, granted, I mean, traditionally, you know, I think a traditional sense of killing is kind of like set up punchline, set up punchline, you know, why the chicken cross the road to get to the other side. Hey, yo, how many, how many black people does it take to fill, to turn in a light bulb? You know, I don't know. Somebody stole a light bulb or whatever. I don't know. Right. Just like set up punchline, set up punchline. Uh, 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 uh. And you, you build the audience laughter to a point of, you know, they don't even have time to breathe. That's like a traditional kill, I guess. But really, a kill is just doing well on stage. And it's it's so easy to get into your head, like, the misuse of words. Like, oh, was I killing? Wasn't I killing? Da, 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 da. And, uh, you know, and listen, hey, this comes from a person who, who can kill. You know, I, I kill, motherfucker. I slay. <laughs> you know, like, I have the ability to. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and say that every fucking time I get on there, it's a fucking, you know, a riot. But, you know, it's like... You're looking at a killer. I have the potential. I have the experience and the potential. So, but I am very well aware that a lot of it's based on fear. The fear of what is a kill? What isn't a kill? Oh, I have to kill at every moment when it's really, you just need to do well. Do your best and do well. Like, yes, it's important to do your best in the sense of, hey, whether it's good or bad, I've done my best. And then on the professional level, you must always try to do your best, but it is important to do well, aka kill. You know, and there's there's a lot of fear and wordplay I've noticed. Because everything was about kill, kill, kill in the comedy community. Now that we're on this hiatus, this indefinite sense of uh, uncertainty with pandemic, COVID-19, the narrative now is, um, oh, we haven't been on stage, and oh, we're going to bomb, and we're going to be terrible, oh, oh, it's going to be terrible, and da-da-da-da, and oh, 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 I'm nervous about getting back on stage. Like, you hear a lot of these comedians, they'd be talking, oh, I'm nervous about getting back on stage for the first time in several months. Oh, oh, I don't know. It's like going back to being an open micer. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I'm nervous. But wait a minute, I thought you were a killer. I thought it was kill, kill, kill. I thought that was your motto. I thought that was your MO. I thought that was your everyday occurrence. I thought that was your every nightly routine. Kill, kill, kill. Hit the kill switch. So it's like, hmm. Right? Fear. A lot of fear, a lot of wordplay, a lot of buggery. And the important thing across industry is to always do your best and do the best job you can. And you have to, you have to be aware when 
Like, it's not a blanket thing where it's just like, well, as long as I do my best, then it really doesn't matter. It does matter. You know, it does matter that you improve and you get to be professional. It does matter. You can't go up and consistently bomb, but you don't have to chase an elusive kill when the goal is just to be the best you can be and to be good on stage. You know, as long as the people are laughing and entertained, that's a kill. Why, why worry yourself with the definition of a kill? And what is the power of a kill if it could be taken away from you? A killer, you know, like, for example, you know, basically the comedian right now is saying a lot of, I mean, the sentiment of, com- a very basic general sentiment is, you know, a, a comedian's worth is their ability to kill. But now during pandemic, a lot of people are questioning their ability to kill. But think about it. When a killer gets locked up in prison, yo, give it 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, don't matter. Unleash me and I will kill. You know, and unleash me at your fucking, um, at your fucking bewarrel or whatever the word is, at your fucking peril. Unleash me at your peril. A killer is a killer, you know? No matter what. So it's like, I don't understand the value of kill if it can be taken away. If you can kill one day, why can't you kill the next? Fucking difference does it make, right? And that's very important because really the terminology is based on fear. Because think about it. If you can define something, then you can understand it, right? Okay, go on stage and be funny. Okay, I understand that. I'll go on stage and be funny. Did you kill? Is he a killer? Well, that's a little vague now. It's a little vague. And it's also, you know, it's also a bit antagonizing because then I have to, I have to then take the risk of looking like a fool by saying, oh yeah, I kill. Of course I kill. Uh, yeah, I'm a killer. I kill on stage. I kill. Yeah, but um, can you define it? Can we see it? Can we? Well, I don't know what the definition is, and I don't know if we can see it. Do you do well on stage? Do you get on stage and be funny? Are the people laughing? Then that's all that fucking matters. <laughs> and it's like not to get lost in the fear and the overdefining. And the blee 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 yabba 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 dabba do, you know, and uh, that's relatable across industry. You know, I think a lot of times we get swept up in terminology when it's just like, yo, just get to the fucking meat and potatoes of the damn thing. Even though I'm a pescatarian, so there you have it, folks. Janet Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yeah, and them are the things that are uh, you know kind of rocking in my world uh, as of late. You know, today I want to speak about, you know, post-pandemic socialization. What the social frontier of, you know, humanity will be looking like post-pandemic. Got me thinking, you know, um... The other day I went for a jog up at the crack of dawn. 
go for a jog. 6 a.m. Now, a little side tangent here. Sometimes I do think we are in a simulation, like all of reality is really a video game. Like, do you ever notice how, like, when you step out into public, people just appear in your line of direction? Do you ever notice that? It's like, I can't even tell you. It's almost like clockwork, you know? You'd be walking to an intersection, then there's somebody all of a sudden appears at the exact same time. Do you ever notice that? Like, all the connecting places, intersections, um, going around a corner, random little spots. Because, like, it's so strange, the people that you just kind of bump into. It's like, it all seems kind of simulated. You know what I mean? It's like, how did that person know I was going to be there at that exact fucking time? You know, it's like, I can't, like, most of the time I notice whenever I hit up a fucking intersection or I round a corner or, you know, I'm walking in a place where there would seemingly be nobody, all of a sudden, somebody appears. It's like a video game. You know, all of a sudden, it's just, you know, somebody just appears. It's just, it's fucking strange. So, you know, that's what I'm talking about. The other day I went for a jog. And, you know, it's 6 a.m., 6 a.m., the sun wasn't even up yet. You know, it was still dark out. It was like 5.30, 6 a.m., and I'm jogging, and then all of a sudden, you know, I, I see this dude, and he's walking, right? He's chucking and walking, and, you know, you know, he's doing the hood thing, right? I'm like, oh, God. And it was enough where I noticed, okay, this guy's got an attitude, but he doesn't look crazy, you know? Like, okay, this guy's a little full of himself. He's chucking and jiving and walking and peacocking. It's like fucking 5.30 in the morning. Not a soul about. The sun's not even up. Yet he's walking and chucking. And, you know, it's like easy, bro. And he wasn't even black. That's what annoys me the most. Would you knock it off? Go back to fucking Bangladesh. You know what I mean? I'm sick of fucking people hijacking, you know, black culture. And then they want to turn around and smack us in the face, you know? it's like, oh, black people are this, black people are that, but yet everybody wants to be one, right? Anyways, buddy, go back to Bangladesh, you fucking dummy, walking all chucking and jiving, it's fucking knock it off. Go go fucking knit me a fucking t-shirt. <coughs> and, before, and before you guys try to cancel culture my black ass, I am a mixed man of Indian black lineage, all right? So, you know, I'll make fun of the Bangladeshi fucking towel heads. I'll, I'll make fun of these fucking pickaninnies as much as I damn well please, all right? You look up my family tree. You'll see turbans and fucking... You'll see nothing but turbans and fucking uh, jerry curls on my family tree. But anyway, um... Fuck, watch. <coughs> dropping my fucking mask. But, um, you know... So anyways, this fucking fucking towel head, he's chucking and jiving and walking all fucking thugging. Fucking 5.30 in the morning. I'm like, oh, for Christ's sake, right? And I'm thinking, should I like renegotiate my path, right? Because, you know, it's like he just appears out of nowhere on my jogging path. And I'm running in like a parking lot. You know, I'm, 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 I'm dipping through a parking lot. And like, let's say the parking lot's like this, you know? If, you, if y'all can see me on camera here. Sorry for all y'all autophiles, but like audiophiles. Like, if you're dipping through a parking lot like this, right? 
he's he's going to the he's going to um, he's going in this direction. He's veering off in that direction. So as I'm running, I'm like, okay, I'll just go this way, right? I'll just go straight. Well, as I'm running, he all of a sudden he, I see he notices me. He can hear me. I see him looking over his shoulder. He sees me, and at the very last second, as I'm as I'm running by, as I'm running by him, all of a sudden he makes a sharp turn, starts walking into my direction. You know, walking at me, right? Fuck, right? So I'm staring at him, right? And I just kind of locked eyes with him. And he's, he's locking eyes with me. I'm locking eyes with him. And I run past him. And it's like, he makes this awkward turn deliberately into my direction. Now, that's the assumption I make. I know he heard me. I know he looked over his shoulder and saw me. And I know he made the choice to walk in my general direction basically walk at me you know we're both going this way but at the last second as i'm as i'm jogging by him at the last second he turns and walks towards me and i guess he thought i was gonna dodge him or try to get out of the way but i just kind of stared at him like yo what's up i just stared at him he's staring back i saw the fear in his eye you know fucking coward you know it's kind of funny when you call people's bluff because, you know, he was trying to be all thugging and shit. I just stared him down. I was like, what? And I saw the fucking fear in his eye. He kind of he kind of slunk back a little bit, right? I'm like, yeah, that's what's up. And I, and I ran past him. You know, I met his aggression with my aggression. You want to walk at me like a dumbass? Okay, what's up? What's up, you fucking clown? Obviously, I'm fucking jogging by here. Do you need something? What's up? I'm staring at him. And then he fucking kind of kind of catches himself. Then I started thinking about it. I am never doing that again. I am never going to let my ego override my common sense ever again. I'm going to try. I'm going to strive for that. Because, you know, in the, in the midst of all this pandemic... All sorts of craziness has been happening, man. Like, people's anger and aggression, freaking out over wearing a mask at a fucking Wendy's or a McDonald's, flipping out over this, flipping that out over that. A sad story recently here in Canada. Um, a young man, a 22-year-old man, I believe in Brampton, was uh, stabbed. He was coming home from mosque. You know, he was a religious man. He was coming home from his uh, his prayer, mosque. He was coming home from mosque. Some motherfucker walked up on him and stabbed him, unprovoked. I mean, the details are yet to be released. As of now, it's like two teenage kids have been charged with this. But like the needless violence and the aggression that's just in the air, that's always been in the air, living in a big city, but especially now during pandemic. And, you know, when that guy kind of turned and was walking in my direction and I chose not to move and I just stared him down and he cowered it away like the coward he was, I was really taking a gamble. I was, I was taking a gamble. What if this guy had really bad intentions? What if he was a thug? You know, I called his bluff. I'm like, this guy's a bitch. I'm like, you know, he's an idiot and he's a bitch, so fuck him. And I called his bluff and, you know, he slinked off like a bitch. But like, what if he was really a thug? What if he was really somebody who 
was packing a knife or packing a gun. There's been a lot of gun violence in Toronto as of late as well. A lot of needless horse shit, man. So it's like, you know, I've been thinking on that post-pandemic, post-pandemic, you know, basic civility and socialization. This is the perfect time for us all to get a lesson in humility, a lesson in understanding, and to check our egos, man. Because I was really rolling the dice. It was like 5.30 in the morning. It was dark out, not a soul around. And, you know, the guy kind of annoyed me. So, yo, I kind of stated my case. But I was rolling the dice. You know what I mean? And I ain't no tough guy. Like, I'm physical. I'm fairly strong. I'm fairly tall. I'm like, I'm like an average man. You know, I'm 5'11", 175 pounds, physically fit. I work physical jobs. Um, I work out. I can manhandle with the best of them. You know, like I can do some basic fighting. I can throw a punch. I can throw a kick. I can wrestle. But I ain't no trained person. And I ain't no criminal. I'm I'm not some deviant. I ain't packing heat. I don't got a knife. What if, I, what if I let my ego get away from me one day when it's like somebody's obviously trying to draw me into some kind of negativity. So then I respond by, yo, you know, what's up? I'm a man too. Next thing you know, I'm getting stabbed or shot over some fucking stupid shit. So it's like, you know, I jogged on. I, I jogged on past that clown. Like in my story, after I jogged on past that clown, I jogged on past him and I'm thinking to myself, never again, never again. I am done because it's like only a really stupid, egotistical loser challenges somebody aggressively for no reason. What, what was to be gained? You know, what was to be gained on his end? What, a little bit of self-importance yeah when i fucking walk people jump yo when i when i'm walking in your direction you better jump like i that's the fucking vibe he was trying to play with me and i'm like no clown i'm not gonna jump why don't you fucking jump and he backed off like the bitch he was but you know you you run the risk of coming up against that real g right that real fucking gangster one day right and it's like why am i playing this game and Why would I risk what I have? Because only a loser would behave the way he behaves. That day, I was up at the crack of dawn. I was focusing on my health. I went for a jog. I had my whole day planned. All the stuff that I got to do for the podcast. All the stuff that I got to do for my career as a performer. All the stuff that I got to do to just kind of keep myself a, a vibrant, alive, functioning man in 2020. You know, I was... Up at the crack of dawn, chomping at the bit, you know? This clown's trying to pick fart, <laughs> pick farts. <laughs> this clown's trying to pick a fight in a parking lot. This guy's trying to throw his weight around in a parking lot for no reason. He's a complete loser. Only losers with nothing to lose risk, risk their health, their livelihood on some stupid shit. What was to be gained from that interaction? What was the point he was trying to make? 
that what he's an asshole that he's a big man or something what was his fucking point he had no point he was a loser and you know in a sense i was a loser in that moment in that moment i was also a loser because i succumbed to it you know he was trying to be aggressive with me so i mirrored his aggression and for what the smarter thing to do would have been to just, you know, run around him. Go the opposite way, you know? Just because somebody wants to draw you into some bullshit does not mean you have to um, take the bait. And post-pandemic socialization, post-pandemic societal norms and mannerisms and interaction, it's a great time to check our egos and consider that. Um, I was on a, uh, I was on a, uh, phone interview the other day. Um, I applied to be like a production assistant, a PA on a, uh, television program. Some like, you know, you know, like those cooking shows, those cooking reality shows. It was like some cooking reality show. So I, I saw an application online on like an online job database. I saw an application on this online job database and I applied. I get a response. Hi, Jonathan, it's so-and-so from the production company. It's an email. Hi, Jonathan, so-and-so from the production company. So great to meet you. So great to hear from you. We're so impressed by by your resume. Are you available for an on, uh, for a telephone interview? I hit him back. Yeah, I'm available for a telephone interview. Thank you very much. Okay, Jonathan, we're going to set up the telephone interview for this time on this date. Bye! Exclamation point, exclamation point. This woman seemed positively giddy. Giddy. You know, I'm thinking to myself, oh, wow. Great opportunity, seemingly pleasant uh, person. She wants to, you know, she likes my resume. She's going to hire me potentially. She wants to interview me. Hey, this is a fucking slam dunk, you know? Like uh, some of the conventional wisdom that is really a good mantra and a good mind state when you're applying for work is that the person interviewing you wants to give you the job. That's what I've come to learn. You know, I've come to learn that, hey, all the boss, all the authority, all they usually, generally, if they are of healthy body, soul, and mind, all the powers that be, all the boss, all they want is to communicate to you what they need and have you respond pleasantly and with Basic competence. That's all they want. That's all your boss wants from you. If you want to find a way to change your working life, I'm going to tell it to you right now. Listen up. If you have a job and you're struggling with your boss, number one, if it is not interfering with your safety or your morals, just shut the fuck up And do what your boss tells you. They are your boss. 
If it doesn't interfere with your safety or your health or your morals, shut the fuck up, do what the boss tells you, and you will have a great rapport with your boss. If you start, well, I don't know. What about this way? And I don't know. What about that way? And here's my opinion. And here's what I want to say. And da 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 da. Your boss is going to hate you. Your boss isn't interested in what you think. Your boss is interested in what he or she thinks. Duh. They're the boss. <laughs> I've learned that and I believe in that. And I've followed that. And that's why I feel like the past, uh, ever since I got sober, (laughs) ever since my sobriety, for the past like uh, three and a half years, I've been very successful in every job I've done because I've adhered to that basic recipe. If it doesn't conflict with my safety, my health, or my morals, I'm going to shut the fuck up and let my boss lead. Take the lead, boss. You're the boss. And then they appreciate that. And, you know, you make their life easier. They make your life easier. You know, one hand washes the other. Especially during pandemic. Wash your fucking hands. You know, one hand washes the other. Right? So I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, here I am. I get this great email from this production lady. You know, I'm applying to be a production assistant on a television show. I'm like, okay, great. Um, She seems very pleasant. You know, she obviously wants to hire me. She's connecting with me. All I got to do is take this telephone interview, be pleasant, be pleasant, showcase my ability to follow instruction, to take instruction. The job is mine. You know, this is a win-win situation. You know, I do good. She does good. Win-win situation. That's what I'm thinking, right? Well, I get the telephone call. Ring, ring, ring. Hello? Hi, Jonathan? Uh, hi, yes. Uh, hi, jo- uh, hi, yeah, yeah, it's so-and-so. Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for um, applying for the job. Uh, you would be surprised how many idiots send in... E- anyway, on that. I'm like, uh, okay. The first thing out of her mouth is like she criticizes the other candidates. Hello, Jonathan. Uh, hi. Yeah. Yeah. We, re- we really appreciate your application. You'd be surprised how many idiots. I mean, <laughs> so she like first thing out of her mouth, complete negativity, p- complete anxiety. And it's like, what is my response supposed to be? She's criticizing the other candidates. She's criticizing the platform. Because we, we found each other on this online job database. So it's like, what is my response supposed to be? Like, oh yeah, you're right, people are retarded. And it would be as if like you were meeting somebody on a dating site. And when they met you, they're just like, oh, thank God. Thank God um, you're normal. You know, you'd be surprised how many fucking creep, dirtbag losers use this dating site. Oh yeah, ha ha ha. Yeah, you're right. People like myself who use this database are complete creeps and losers and weirdos. You're completely like, what the fuck was I supposed to say to that? Right. I'm just like, okay. And then she just 
barrels on, barrels on with the fucking information. So anyways, this is what's going on, this is what's going on, this is what's going on, and this, this, that, and the other, and da-da-da, and da-da-da, and da-da-da, just talking at me, right? So I'm thinking to myself, mm, kind of unpleasant, kind of a sharp tone to take with me. But I'm like, okay, maybe she's just trying to test my ability to hear information and to process it, right? So she gives me this fucking laundry list of blah, 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 blah. This, is what, this is what's going on with the production. That's what's going on with the production. When she stops for a breath, I go, oh, okay. So, um, you know, sounds like you have it down to an art. I'm just trying to add some personality, add some flavor to the discussion. She goes, well, she just like mumbles and mutters something at me, right? I'm like, okay. So then, you know, she goes again. So anyways, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. We need, we need this. We need that. This is what the job is. She's just muttering on, right? And again, once she takes a breath for to breathe, you know, she's like... I go, oh, okay, so like uh, on the dates you mentioned, uh, is this what's happening? That's what's happening? I'm trying to show her that, yes, I heard what you said. I've processed the information and here's a basic example of me following orders. Okay, this is what you're telling me? Okay, sure. Is this correct? I just repeated back to her a little bit of what she told me. Again, she negates it. Well, no. She barrels on some more. I'm like, this is very strange. Because like I said, conventional wisdom is, you know, a basic mantra, which is pretty reliable, which is pretty true, is that when you're being interviewed, the person generally wants you to succeed. Why would they call you up, waste their time and yours if they didn't want to hire you, you know, generally speaking, most people, they try to be pleasant, try to communicate their information. Okay, well, let me communicate this to you. This is what the job is. This is what I need of the candidate. What do you think? So then me as the interviewee can go, oh, okay, I get it. This is what the job is. This is what you want. This is what I think about it. Oh, okay, this is pleasant. We understand each other. Congratulations, you have the job. That's how, like, I would say 99% of any job interview I've ever taken went. Something was off with this woman, right? Because she was just, uh, just like all wound up and anxious and fucking talking a mile a minute. And then, you know, so I've jumped through all these hoops trying to be pleasant with her. This was my breaking point. She goes on a long diatribe again. Blah, 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 blah. This is what we need. This is what we need. This is what the job is. And I go, okay. So, um, you know, that's, that's pretty good, though, because, you know, um, sometimes, uh, you know, it's important that you can be flexible in a job. But what's really nice is sometimes experiences can overlap like sometimes you come across similar situations she goes oh yeah i know sometimes it's like repetitive and tedious 
That's not what I... That's not what I was saying at all. She's like putting words in my mouth. And not only that, she's like agreeing with it. She's just a totally negative person. She's like, oh yeah, well I know something, sometimes things are are repetitive and uh, repetitive and tedious. That's not what I'm saying. I was saying that the good thing about having experience is that while you need flexibility to adjust to certain circumstances... A depth of experience can be useful across similar situations. Duh. Like, let's say you had to plan a birthday party. You had to learn how to plan a birthday party, how to rent the equipment, the tables, the chairs, how to cater the food, how to cater the drinks, how to get the entertainment, how to book the venue. You learned all this information on how to plan a birthday party well let's say six months later you have to plan a anniversary party is it really that fucking different no you'd probably appreciate the fact that you have a depth of experience which you can translate to a similar situation that's the point i was trying to say to her that's the positivity that's the value i was trying to share to her And she just puts words in my mouth. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sometimes things are repetitive and tedious. Why would I say that? I obviously am applying for the job. I obviously want the job. Why would I say that? It's completely retarded. You got shit between your ears? Are you even fucking listening, woman? What the fuck? Are you retarded? Fucked up is you? Why would I say that? Right? I'm just like, okay. I, I, at that point, I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I made, it a, I, I, I made it a note in my mind. Okay, I'm done. I'm done jumping through hoops. I jumped through three hoops. I tried to be pleasant. I tried to showcase my ability to, you know, follow basic instructions. I tried to be pleasant. I tried to play the game. Now I'm just confused. I don't know what she wants. It's nonsensical. It's like, um, it's like um, have you ever been in a situation where, you, you're trying to join a conversation, but the other person won't let you in. You know, in my younger, not in my younger days, because I'm so old. Uh, but, you know, when I was, a, you know, an adolescent, you know, sometimes you're at a party and, um, you know, you're trying to jump into a conversation and the people are a little, you know, a little kind of off-putting. And no, we're not going to let you into the conversation. And no. Like, have you ever been in that situation? You're trying to join a conversation that somebody doesn't want want to let you into same situation with this lady it was like she obviously don't want to let me in she obviously don't want to make it easy for me you know i i showcased that well obviously she contacted me because she liked my resume then i was pleasant and i tried to showcase to her that okay i can follow basic instructions i hear what you're saying i understand the information that you're giving me she's not letting me in she's putting up this wall she's got this strange anxiety and attitude and that's when i hit my wall i'm like i'm not i'm not jumping through hoops anymore i'm done i don't care anymore (laughs) and that's the nice place where you can be when it's like you know the job wasn't going to make or break me so at that point i'm just like kind of disinterested i'm like "Uh uh-huh okay yeah all right cool so then she keeps on going, blah, 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 bl
I'm like, no, I'm pretty straightforward with my objectives and yeah. You know, you can you can sense like a sense of like, she's taken aback. Isn't that funny how people are? Isn't that funny how people are? It's like they can dish it up. They can be they can be cold and disconcerting and you know detached and you know completely self-absorbed but if you throw it back at them all of a sudden it's a problem like what do you what did you, what do you expect me to gush over you and gush over what you say when you're completely detached from the conversation and condescending and you know just what did she expect, right? For me to jump up and down like a puppy? I kind of just checked out. I was like, uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty straightforward in my object- objectives. So if the job's available, yeah, sure, I'll take it. I'm not going to jump through a fucking hoop for it. But yeah, if, if you want to hire me, you can. It would be comparable to this. Let's say she was serving dinner, right? How would you like to be served dinner? Hi there. Um, this is what's for dinner. I'm glad that you're here for dinner. Here's the dinner. Enjoy. Would you like dinner to be served to you that way or this way? Look, this is what's for dinner. Eat it if you want. She basically threw my dinner in front of me and said, eat it if you want. And then when I said to her, like, well, I don't know, maybe. (gasps) What? I thought you would gobble it off the floor. Hire me, don't hire me. I don't give a bumbleclot, blood clot, fuck. I don't know what your fucking problem is. You have no social grace. You're an idiot. <laughs> you have no basic communication skills. I don't even know how you have the job you have. You know? To be a production, to be a producer on a television show, you generally need people skills, I would imagine, you know? Hence what's going on with poor Ellen DeGeneres at the moment. I felt like Ellen's. She, she probably used to work on the set of Ellen, this fucking crazy whore. <laughs> so, you know, so basically the interview winds down and uh, she's just like, okay, well, um, I'm going to get back to the candidates within the next couple days. I know a lot of people are, you know, um, really kind of looking for work during COVID-19. So I'm going to get back to people as soon as I can. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Thanks for talking to me. He goes, bye, Jonathan. I'm like, yeah, bye. <laughs> and then, you know, a couple of days later, I get this email from her, you know. Hi, hi, Jonathan. Um, thank you so very much for taking the time to um, apply for this position. Unfortunately, the position is blah, 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 but I'm going to pass your information along to uh, my colleagues in case they need somebody for a different production and all the best in your continued job search smiley face exclamation point exclamation point this person's a fucking sociopath she's like gushing and exclamation pointing and smiley facing her way through this fucking email yet she 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 exemplified none of that she was a completely cold, calculated, detached, delusional fucking douchebag. She was a fucking train wreck. She had zero P 
people skills, and she expected me to eat my dinner off the floor. Look, I'm serving you dinner. If you want to eat it off the floor, there it is. No, thank you. What? Oh, oh, he, he's, um, he's got an attitude. He won't put up with my bullshit. No, I can't hire a person who won't grovel and eat their dinner off a floor. <laughs> but, you know, I responded to her email. Um, you know, I said, you know, Hi there. Um, I understand that only so many positions are available, so no sweat. Thank you very much for passing my information along to your colleagues. All the best with the production. Smiley face, Jonathan. Very, uh, and I meant it. I didn't put any stink on it. I thought it over when I wrote it. I wanted to be very amicable to the point and appreciative. Because, you know, everything I'm saying here is somewhat of an assumption. I'm assuming this person understands how to communicate with people. Maybe she doesn't. She obviously didn't communicate well with me. That was my perception. She was cold, blunt, and, you know, she basically set, set me up for failure. You know, I tried everything. I tried being pleasant. I tried showing her that, you know, I can take, I can take in, I can hear information and process it. You know, I made a bunch of notes and I repeated it back to her. That didn't impress her. I was pleasant. That didn't impress her. My only other assumption is like, oh, does she want me to beg for the job? That's the only other option I had. It's like, I was pleasant. I gave a good resume. I, I took good instruction. That's not pleasing her. What's left? To beg? To eat my food off the floor? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. So I didn't get the job. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, that's me making the assumption that this person sees it the way I see it. You know what I mean? I don't know what's in her head. And maybe she was honest. Maybe, maybe she did want to um, pass on my information to her colleagues and... Maybe she would have liked to hire me, but it, maybe she's just a complete idiot. Who, ah, then again, there I am judging, but it's like, she obviously sees things differently than I do. And, you know, my point is, moving forward post-pandemic, it's so important to, like, keep a, keep a, a sense of humility a sense of understanding and connectivity when dealing with people. Put your ego aside and don't give in to the temptation to be aggressive. Don't give in to the temptation to be arrogant when you're met with, you know, that same aggression and arrogance in life. Don't. You know, don't make it. Don't make it that way. And, you know, life can be, can be that much easier. And I'm learning that, you know, I'm proud of myself, you know, I didn't take the bait, you know, I, I basically, you know, I stood my ground. I'm like, look, I can't grovel. I can't beg for the job. Like, I obviously want the job. I gave a good, I gave a good resume. I was pleasant. I took the information. I repeated it back to her. That didn't seem to impress her. I don't know what she wants at this point. 
She's talking to me very bluntly, very quickly, very coldly, very calculated. I don't know what that means. The only other thing I can think to do is to beg for the job, and I'm not doing that. So, whatever, hire somebody else then, I guess. And that's kind of what happened. And, you know, I'm proud that I saw that, and I can use that going forward. I can use that insight going forward when I deal with people. And I didn't lose my shit and send her back some terse, rude email. Because I really don't know. I really don't know what's going on with her. I really don't know why she acted the way she acted. It was nothing personal. But from my point of view, one thing for sure was she was going through something at that moment. I don't know if that's the defining character trait of her life but she was obviously going through something at that time when she spoke to me because she was completely rude and she lacked leadership she's the boss she's the producer lead me lead me to um to uh success lead me to accomplishment she didn't lead me nowhere she was just Negative, 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 blah, 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 negative. I don't know how to follow that. (laughs) And I can't eat my food off the floor, so. And that's very important moving forward post-pandemic, you know. Put aside the ego. Don't take the bait to um, meet aggression with aggression and to meet arrogance with arrogance. And that's what I'm going to be focusing on moving forward. And, uh, you know. Many great things to come as usual on JR the P, Jonathan Ramchand the podcast, all in a day's work. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramchand, reporting live for duty on this magnificent August 19th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Yeah, socialization, manners, post pandemic, it's something to consider, you know? Putting your ego aside, not meeting aggression and arrogance with aggression and arrogance meet it with some meet it with some understanding meet it with some humility hallelujah you can catch me on youtube you can catch me on itunes spotify my own website jonathan-ramcharan.com if you're digging the show please help my black ass out for crying out loud you know you know I didn't get my little fucking PA assistant job, so help my black ass out for crying out loud, you know? Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Aight. Peace.